Good morning, Pursuit. So excited to see you guys this morning. Uh, I have been so pumped about this series. This has been one of our, uh, really one of my, I mean, I want to speak for everybody, but this has been one of my favorite series uh, that we have ever done. Uh, this is the 2.0. This is part two to a series called Meaning in the Mist. Uh, this has been something that's been huge in our church. It's been huge in my life. Uh, and it's been about a year and a half ago now uh, that we, we did the first part of it. And I said up front when we did that one, I said, there's so much here. This is definitely going to be two parts. Uh, but I just didn't know when the timing was. I didn't know when God would bring us back around uh, to this. And over the last few weeks and months, uh, God has just been speaking heavily to me, drawing me to this. And I believe there is no better time uh, than right here, right now, in the midst of everything that's going on, uh, to hit 2.0, meaning in the midst. Uh, and we're excited. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, listen, we're going to spend the next few weeks in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the book of Proverbs, and jumping back and forth. Uh, and I believe God's going to do something amazing. And while you're uh, looking Ecclesiastes up, you can go ahead and just go to verse 1 uh, and verse 2. While you're looking that up on your phone or getting that together, I want you to take a second. I want you to think about the cool thing that God is doing right here and right now all over this country. Right here, right now, all over this country, uh, there are hundreds of people meeting together uh, as one family in many different locations under the heading of Pursuit Church. Uh, over the last few weeks, God has expanded uh, our family into multiple different states, multiple different groups. And right now, locally, there's several big groups starting to meet and starting to meet in barns and in houses and in businesses, uh, and they're getting together. And this is the thing I want you know, people have called us, people have emailed us and asked us questions, and, and what does this look like? When are we going back? You know, when are we going to be back in person, in-house? Uh, the truth is, is that we really don't know right now. We, we, we know what we're aiming for. We know what we want. We know the direction we want to go. Uh, but at the end of the day, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, Solomon says there's a thing called time and chance at play and at work, and that just means that there is so much about what's going on in our world with the corona pandemic that we simply don't know. Uh, and we don't want to put out any answers, and we don't want to be definitive about stuff when we really don't know. So we want to ask you to be patient and to pray, but don't think that we have to wait to get back in together in person on Sunday morning uh, to be a part of what God's doing. God's moving. God's saving lives. God's changing lives. Uh, we put a testimony in the service last week. Uh, we're going to start sharing more and more of those throughout the week and throughout uh, the next few weeks because we want people to see, in case you've just missed it, we want people to see that right here, right now, God is moving, even in the craziness of what's going on. God is saving lives. He's changing lives. He's taking people deeper. He's giving people peace in a crazy amount of, of season of stress and anxiety. God's moving. God's always moving. And I want us to be a part of that. And so I want to tell you, if you're meeting together with a group at a house, at a business, at a barn this morning, thank you so much for listening to God and being involved in what's going on. And if you're still on the fence, if you're still hanging there and you know the Lord's leading you this way, and you right here, right now, you can feel the Holy Spirit just leading you and opening up this avenue in your heart and in your mind, just do God a favor and walk down the road and see the blessing that he has for you. God wants to use you. He wants to pour out blessing in your life. He's got a purpose for you in this moment and in this season. And so if you feel God leading you to that 
do that. And even if you know, listen, that's not for me. I know in my heart that's not the direction God's taking me. Uh, right now, while we can't meet together, invite your friends and family over. Uh, just get together and, and, and have uh, church and worship together and pray together and have lunch after and just talk and hang out. Uh, and even, even if it's a short-term thing, uh, don't, don't miss what God wants to do right here and right now. God's moving. I want us to be a part of it. Uh, and I'm excited about it. And I'm going to pray to that end right now. I'm going to pray as we start this series uh, as so many people all over the county and all over the country uh, right now together uh, as we head into the word together. I want to pray that God unifies our hearts, unifies our minds, that he moves in each of us, that his Holy Spirit just begins to teach us and take us deeper in the knowledge of him uh, and who Jesus Christ is and who God is and in this world that we live in, uh, th this life that he's given us, what it means uh, what it matters, the value in it, and our relationship with him. There's deep stuff we're heading into. Let's pray for God to speak to us. Father God, I come before you, Lord. I pray, Father, right now that you will let your spirit and your presence and your power just consume us, God. Father, that you will just slow us down, God, this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'll just, just stop all the thoughts uh, that are going on in our heads, Father, all the things that are going on around us, all the things that we dealt with today or yesterday. God, I pray, Lord, right here, right now, that you will stop time, Father God, to speak to us, that you will move, God, that you will open up your word, God, that you would just take your wisdom, take your knowledge, take your understanding, God, and just sow it into the depths of our hearts, Father, that we can reap, God, the life that you want us to live, the life that you've given us, God. I pray, Lord, consume us, control us this morning, God. Open up our hearts to you, and you're holding your precious name. Amen. So Ecclesiastes, verse 1 and 2. And I want to I say this, and I'm going to be as dramatic as I can, because I really want you to feel these words. Uh, there is a reason why people stay away from the book of Ecclesiastes, because the first real verse is this, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Now, I don't know about you, and listen, I'm not a great writer, but I do write, uh, and I'm not a great reader for that matter, but I do read. And the one thing that I know about getting people to go with you on the journey of whatever you're writing about, to go with you to the deeper points, is that you're supposed to put in a first point that really makes people want to jump to the second point. Uh, you're supposed to put in a hook in the beginning. You're supposed to put in a, an intro that just lights your world on fire, that motivates you, inspires you, quite, you know, to just drive you on, to keep going. Uh, and Solomon, uh, when he wrote this book, I guess that in all of his wisdom and all of his knowledge, uh, he didn't realize that that's how you're supposed to write books uh, because he wrote potentially the worst first verse or first sentence or first statement or first paragraph in the history of everything ever written. Uh, he starts off and he says, just in case... Uh, you wanted to know, uh, I want you to know that everything in life, everything, everything, everything means everything, everything under the sun, everything under heaven, everything on this earth is meaningless, it's meaningless, it's utterly meaningless, and just in case you missed it, he finishes up with everything is meaningless. He goes on through the book of Ecclesiastes to speak to this uh, reality of meaninglessness and vanity and uselessness and things lacking value and things lacking worth and lacking meaning and lacking purpose, 
Basically, all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, you will see uh, this sentiment over and over and over and over again. And sometimes uh, he says his other favorite thing to say is it's a striving after the wind or it's chasing the wind, meaning that it's just pointless, the things that we choose to do in life and everything in it. And I just want you to know, like, to me, that's like super depressing. In fact, for a long, long, long time, I struggled uh, to read through the book of Ecclesiastes. I love chapter 12. If you ever go to chapter 12, and when I was younger, I loved chapter 12. Chapter 12 was awesome, and it ended really, really good. Uh, but the first verse, uh, 11 chapters of Ecclesiastes, it just seemed like the point Solomon was making uh, was that everything is meaningless, that everything lacks purpose, that there's no point to anything in life. Uh, and, and, and you think at any given minute that that's going to switch, that that's going to change, that the tone is going to change. And you read on through chapter 1, you, you read on through chapter 2, and, and instead of just summarizing everything's meaningless, he spends chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, breaking everything down into the categories. Pleasures are meaningless. Riches are meaningless. Power is meaningless. Careers and work and business and toil is meaningless. And relationships are meaningless. And he goes through just about every facet of life even down to the details of life. And he goes, I just want you to think, unless you didn't know what uh, everything meant, he went through literally everything and proved to us why it was meaningless. And this is the, this is the truth. This is Solomon. This is Solomon, who, uh, the man of legend, the wisest man who ever lived. You know, the, God came to him one night and he said, listen, I'll give you anything you want. Solomon said, give me wisdom. Give me a heart of wisdom, a, a wise and discerning mind that I can understand, that I can lead your people uh, from the right to the left and know righteousness and justice and lead the people in the city and out of the city. Solomon said, give me wisdom. And God said, because I've given you, uh, you've asked for wisdom and not for the death of your enemies or for wealth or for power. He says, I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm also going to give you everything else. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you uh, peace on all sides. I'm going to give you success in every way, shape, and form that you can imagine. And, and this is the beauty of Solomon, is that Solomon had every single thing and experienced every single thing that you and I wish that we could experience. And he experienced it all. And the end conclusion was it's meaningless. And he was intentional about it. And this is something that I think is this is really awesome to me. And he says this in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 12. I'm going to lay this out. I just want to, I, he, he point blank tells you what he spent his life doing. This is unique to me. He says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, all of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. So Solomon wants you to know up front, before you get into the thickness of the book, he wants you to know, I spent my life studying, researching, and exploring all the ways of men and women on this earth. And because I had the wisdom and I had the knowledge and I had the understanding and I had all the wealth and I had all the success and I had all the power and I had all the connections, he said, I was able to do something that no other man or woman in history has ever been able to do. I was able to truly study and research humanity and in every facet of life to its fullest extent. And he said, and at the end of it all, he said, I want to tell you everything is meaningless.
And, and, and this is the thing that, that really gripped me when, when God began to open this book up for me, because I really did struggle with it. I'm, you know, I'm not joking around. I, I love the Bible. I love Scripture. I, I think the Bible is inspired Word of God. But I struggled with that for a long time, many years, in fact. Until the Lord really began to open it up, and I began to study, and I started to see something in it that a lot of people miss in the book of Ecclesiastes. I started to see that Solomon meant what he said. He meant it, that it's meaningless. But he, he opens up a reality. He opens up a truth. He points to something greater. And I want to take a few seconds, and I want to do that. And, and if you were with us or a part of our church during the first Meaning in the Mist series, it wouldn't hurt to go back and to listen to some of those messages. But I want to sum up this word meaningless. I want you to know what he meant by it. Because the different translations, they take this word hebel, hebel, and it literally means vapor, breath, mist. And it's translated as meaningless. It's translated as vanity. One random translation translates it as useless. And, and, and this isn't wrong to say it's meaningless. is isn't wrong to say vanity. It's not wrong, but it's deeply incomplete in my opinion. Because the real word that it means, it means vapor, it means breath, it means mist. It means that Solomon was taking this word. He could have said it several different ways, but he took this word and he painted reality. He painted a picture for us of reality, and he used the word hebel, that means vapor, breath, and mist. And he started to lay down this picture, and what you'll begin to, to understand about it as you go through the book of Ecclesiastes, and as we go through this series, you'll see that Solomon uh, was perplexed at life. Because he said, listen, this is what life is like. Life is like vapor. Life is like breath. Life is like a mist. It's real. Like you can see it when you're walking in mist. If you can just for imagine with me for a minute that you're walking through a field and it's covered in fog, it's covered in mist, uh, that there's just a vapor. You can see it. You can experience it. You know that it's real. You can feel it on your skin. As you're walking through it, you know that you're in the middle of fog. You know that you're in the middle of this vapor, of this mist. You know that, that it's there. You can feel it on your skin. You're experiencing it. There's no doubt in your mind that it's real. Yet, uh, you can't really uh, get a hold of it. That if you were to ever try, if you ever walk through fog, or if you ever walk through mist, uh, won't you try just capturing a little bit of it? Try, try, try getting it. Try forming it. Try making it something solid. Try making sense of it. You won't be able to. This is the picture that Solomon started to paint with this word vapor. He's not just saying that it's meaningless. He's saying that there's something deeper here. There's something to be discovered. That there is, there is a form of reality here. And that if we can capture the truth, if we can see the truth of reality, that it will open up the life that we have. It will open up this thing that God has given us and we will be able to walk in it the way it was intended and experience the goodness that does exist in life. But he says, you have to accept up front that everything in life and life in itself is vapor. It's mist. It's a breath. Uh, it's here today. It's gone tomorrow that you cannot make sense of it. And more than just saying something so direct and something so earth shattering for so many people, he spends the first few chapters of Ecclesiastes proving this to you. Showing you for a fact why life is a vapor, why life is like mist, like walking through mist, not able to make sense of it. And I encourage you to go through and read through the book of Ecclesiastes uh, this week. It won't take you that long. It's not that long of a book. But he basically talks about three things, time, chance, and death. And first, he just talks about time, and, he, and, and this is the truth. This is the thing I want you to understand. This is the beauty of wisdom. This is the beauty of God's word, God's knowledge, is that no matter who you are, where you come from, or what you believe, 
These three things, they're uh, humanistic, uh, uh, equal. It makes everything equal, puts everybody on an equal plane field. You don't have to believe in God to know and accept the truth of the wisdom that Solomon is about to share with you. In one place, he talks about time, and he says, this is the reality of time. There is a beginning, and there is an end. This is something that you can't argue with. Time moves on. Yesterday passed us by. We'll never be able to go back. We'll never be able to get it back. Today, no matter how your day is going, whether it's good or it's bad, uh, whether you're rich or you're poor, uh, no matter where you're from, uh, no matter what your job is, no matter if you're employed, unemployed, no matter if, if, if what aspect of life you're in, if you're married or if you've got kids or if you don't or if you're single or if you're older, if you're retired, it doesn't matter. What matters, the only thing that you need to accept right here, right now, is that today is going to pass you by and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And that every single day that passes you by, you'll never get it back. And because everything has a beginning and everything has an end, everything in life, every day that passes you by, that's one less day you have to make life matter, to make life count, to have meaning in life. Time gets you. Basically, this is the thing that, uh, the sad thing that he's saying is that no matter what you do, you can't stop time. You're going to get old. And no matter what you accomplish and what you achieve, nothing's going to be able to stop this reality. Time's going to pass you by. That you're going to have seasons in life, and once they're gone, they're gone. No amount of wealth, no amount of power, no amount of wisdom, no amount of knowledge, nothing's going to be able to get you back in and live life over again. Time, time affects us all. Then he moves into this idea of chance, probability. And I don't want to spend a ton of time here. I did a message on this in the last, in the last meeting in the mission. You can go back and watch it because this is, kind of, this is kind of a sad thing to accept, but it's true. And he says, there's one line. He says, listen, the race doesn't always go to the swift. And bread or food doesn't always go to the intelligent or to the wise. And he said good things don't always happen to good thing, uh, people, and evil people find success somehow in life. And he came to this place, and he said everything's affected by time and chance, probability, meaning that in life, uh, you don't get to think about the things that you don't get to choose. If you were born into an extremely wealthy home with tons of money and tons of connections, uh, life's probably going to be a little bit easier for you. You're probably going to be able to start off a little bit better uh, than other people who didn't have that. But you didn't do that. That was random. That was probability. That was chance. He says you could do everything right financially. You could make every wise decision. Uh, you, you could never live beyond your means. You could live wisely. Uh, you could buy well and sell well. You could have a good business. You could save your money. You could invest your money. You could do every single thing wisely. Uh, but there are so many things outside you. If the economy falls uh, or a pandemic shows up, uh, you could be the greatest of employees. But when the business goes down, you lose your job. He's saying that you could do every single thing right and still face tragedy and adversity in life simply because of chance and probability, simply because of things that stand outside of you, things that are disconnected from you. You can make all the right decisions, do all the right things, and still face difficulty and tragedy in life. He goes, this is chance. This is probability. And if you want to fight with time, fight with it. It's a foolish battle. You want to fight with chance, fight with it. It's a foolish battle. But the one battle nobody can fight whatsoever is the finality of his argument. He said, that's death. He said, death comes to everybody. Death comes to everybody. Not only is time a thing, as time moves on, time is eventually going to bring you to death. You may die the day after you're born, or you may die 100 years after you're born, but every single one of us, we will face death. We will taste death. Death will stop us. Death by itself takes the meaning out of every single temporary thing that exists in this life. 
This is one of the biggest points that Solomon makes through the book of Ecclesiastes and through Proverbs. He says, I want you to understand, everything that you could ever accomplish in life, death makes it worthless. You could reach fame. You could have wealth. You could have power. You name it. Whatever you think life is about, whatever you try to point at life and say, that's what's important. That's what's valuable. That's what success is. That's what achievement is. He said, death wipes the whole thing out. And then just to make matters worse, he goes on to say, listen, you could be the most powerful, well-known, famous, wealthy, whatever. And he goes, and in two generations, nobody will remember your name. The reality of it is 99.9% of humanity, they are completely forgotten within three generations. Most of us right here, right now, watching this, listening to this message, you don't even know the names of your great-grandparents let alone your great-great-grandparents. There are presidents who have ruled the earth. They have been uh, some of the most powerful and influential men in history, yet you could not name 10 of them probably. In fact, I saw a thing on Facebook the other day that says, statistically, my generation cannot name seven presidents. Sadly, it's true. There are kings and queens and great people who have lived, artists and, and singers and musicians and, and all kinds of people who achieved the greatest of great uh, seasons and victories and achievements in their life, in their field, but nobody ever knows their name. And he goes through all of this and he says, time, chance, and death, it takes away all meaning. There's no point to anything because of time, chance, and death. And this leaves us in this, and I want, you to, I want you to listen to this. This leaves us in this position. It leaves us in this position because of time, chance, and death that we have to look into life, and then we have to decide what success is, what good is, what achievement is, what life is about. We have to try to figure out ourselves, and we, we look at stuff and we say, this is meaning. This word hebel, and, uh, that's translated here meaningless or vanity, that means vapor, that means mist. And other places in the Old Testament, they use this word and they translate it as idol. And the whole concept is just like an idol, uh, we take a tree, we cut the tree down, we carve it up, we give it some shape, we draw some eyes on it, we give it a name, and we call it a god and we start to worship it. And we say that it has power over corn, power over vegetables, power over the rain. And we look at that and we say it's foolishness because it's a delusion. And we, we, this is something that we created, something that we made, something that we fixed, something that we put rules to. And then we, we kind of devote our life to it. In the Old Testament, they called them idols, and they used this word a lot because it was a delusion. It, was, it wasn't real. It was something they chose. They chose to let that be their reality. And we look at it and we say, man, that's foolishness. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. But that's how we live our life all the time, every day. Think about the things that you think are important in life. Think about the things that culture says is important. This is all, all meaning and all purpose because of time, chance, and death. All it is is something that humanity got together on in one culture, in one generation, and we said, hey, because we actually have no idea what the meaning is of life, because we have no idea what the purpose is of life, let's pick a few things. We'll call this success. We'll call this good. We'll call this valuable, and then we'll all just agree to chase for and live for the same things. But at the end of the day, if you step back, it's all a delusion. It makes no sense. It's like gold in the ground. There is no practical, tangible difference between gold and any other rock or any other mineral. It's just that we got together somewhere along the lines and we pull a piece of gold out of the ground and we said, hey, let's make this thing be valuable. 
And so because you and I agree that it's valuable, now it's valuable, but it's not really valuable. It doesn't really add any value to life. It's only because we agree upon it. It's the same thing with wealth, power, and fame. All the things that you think life is about, all the things that you dedicate your life to, most of them, if not every single one of them, are just things that this culture, this generation, we got together and we said, hey, being famous is value. So let's strive for it. Being wealthy, that's success. So let's spend every day working for wealth. Climbing the corporate ladder, getting promoted, creating trophies in life. That's what good is. That's what purpose is. That's what meaning is. Getting a new car, the best car, a new house. You go down the line. All the classics to the new generation. Whatever it is, all it is is, is us getting together because we don't know the meaning of life. Because we don't know the purpose of life. Because we haven't quite figured out time, chance, and death. We get together and we just say, hey, listen, we don't know what's going on. So let's all get together so we can have some sense of meaning in life. And let's just strive for it together. And Solomon says, and I look at it, and what I see at the end of it all is I see generation after generation after generation throwing their life away, chasing meaningless things. And he says, at the end of the day, the way he started, verse 1, meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanity, vapor, vapor, mist, mist, is the way that he ends uh, right before he closes out the book. He ends the, the same exact wording, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And he goes, this is life at the end of the day. This is, this is life. It's vapor. It's real. We exist. We know we do. We're walking through it. We're trying to figure it out. But right when we try to grasp it, right when we try to say, this is what life's about. We can't do it. This is meaning. We can't do it. And he says, and we prove it day in and day out. We prove it. Because when we do achieve that thing, we're still discontent. We're still unsatisfied. We still don't have joy. We still don't have peace. And so we move on to the next thing. And Solomon goes from beginning to end through every facet of life and does his best to try to prove to us the worthlessness of it all. But I want to go back to the little parable that he put right at the end. Because I know it still sounds a little sad, but it's like super not. And he goes, and this is uh, verse 15, chapter 1, verse 15. He goes, what is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. He makes a statement. He says, this is, this is the end of it. I, I've gone through all of the earth, and by wisdom, I've, I've looked at everything done under heaven and I've come to this conclusion that it's vapor. It's real. We feel it. We experience it. We can, we can touch it. We know that it's there. But right when we try to grab it, life and say, hey, this is meaning. This is purpose. This is what it's about. He said it just vanishes. He goes, it's all meaningless. It's all vapor. And then the very next thing, he goes, it's twisted. What's twisted cannot be straight, meaning this is broken. It's crooked. It's twisted. And I can't straighten it out, and neither can you meaning you can't change it. This is what it is. This is reality. This is our life. But even though it sounds negative, it's hopeful. He says, but what's lacking can't be counted or what I, what I can't see, it can't be measured. He says that this isn't all of it, that this is in, there's an incompleteness to this. Everything I can see under the sun Everything that I can see done under the sun in this realm of temporary things, in this realm of practical life, he said, because of time, chance, and death, there is no meaning to it. 
He said, but there is an eternal part to us. And there is an eternal part to this life. And he goes, that's the stuff that we can't see. What I can see, it's all twisted up. It's crooked and it can't be straightened out. He said, but there is an avenue of life. There is a part of us. There is a part of life that is eternal. There is something bigger than us, greater than us, that stands outside of time, chance, and death. And he says, this thing is God. He says, this is the one who created time, chance, and death. He goes, it's the one who created everything that we see, everything that we know about life, everything that is, is, is because of this great creator, God. And he said, so I need you to understand something. And this is one of the most uh, points that you've just got to accept this. And if you can't accept this, as soon as this message is over, I need you to just get in your heart, get in your mind, get in a prayer closet, do meditation, study the Bible. You've got to come to this conclusion that you cannot find meaning in the mist. You cannot find meaning in the vapor apart from the God who created all things. That there is something about this God, this creator, this origin, this spark, this, this beginning, uh, this, this thing that stands outside of time, this thing that stands outside of death, this thing that is over chance and probability that he's sovereign. There is this God who created all things. And he said, meaning exists only in the eternal, unseen reality of God. And so as he marches through the book of Ecclesiastes and he arrives at this point in, in a verse in chapter 12, he gets to this place, and I, I just want to read this to you. Right before he goes into the conclusion of it, he ends again, he goes, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And then he goes through and he says, now, not only was the teacher or the preacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. Uh, he pondered and searched out and said in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and it was true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firm embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them of making many books. There is no end and much study wearies the body. And then he says this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good, whether it is evil. So this is Solomon's in conclusion. I want you to listen to this. After walking through life, after studying everything done under the sun with his wisdom and his wealth and his power and connections, he says everything in life that you can see, there's no meaning to it. It's like vapor. You cannot make sense of it. It's all clouded by time, chance, and death. He said, but there is a God who stands outside of it. There is a God who was there at the beginning, and he will be there at the end. Whatever rests on the other side of death, this God, this reality, this King of kings, this Lord of lords, that God and within God and the idea of God rests meaning in the life that we live in this vapor. He says this, he goes, you'll never be able to find meaning in the mist, meaning in this life, meaning in the vapor apart from God. You'll try, 
You'll try to find meaning in wealth and power and fame and relationships and sex and drugs. You'll try to find it in so many. You'll try to find it in many degrees in education. He says you'll try to find it even in wisdom. You'll try to find meaning in so many different things. There's a million things to choose from, but at the end of it, you will never find it. You will never find meaning. You'll never find purpose. You'll never find satisfaction apart from knowing God. He said, but as soon as you can understand this, as soon as you can look to God, we know now through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, faith in Christ. We can have a relationship with God. He said, only in understanding God and knowing God and fearing God and worshiping God and serving God can this life begin to make sense to us. Can we begin to actually see that there there is meaning? It's not that there's not meaning. It's that within life, within our life, within the scope of our temporary life, we'll never be able to discover it. That we'll only be able to fully know it when we are in a connection with God, and not even then, only after death, only when we are fully with God will we look back and know the fullness, the fullness of the meaning of life. And when we did the last series, we went, uh, we went the direction of, of the Proverbs. And I'm going to read you this right above this. He closes out, and he says, this is why I created, this is what Psalmist says, this is why I created the Proverbs. This is why I got all the words of the wise, the wise sayings, the dark sayings, the parables, the proverbs. This is why I got all of them together. He said, I put all of them together so that the words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings, the firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. He says, I've given you all the proverbs, all the parables, all the wisdom, all the dark sayings, the sayings of the wise, and I put them all together so that they'll be like a guide for you in this life. That's what a goat is. That's what a, a shepherd, when you're with sheep, he's giving you this image that when you're a shepherd, when a sheep starts to stray to the right or to the left, that he takes it and he whacks the sheep on the leg and it comes back in. And he does that to protect it, to get it to where it's going. And he said the, the source and, and the reason behind the Proverbs and the wisdom and all the things, the knowledge that I've put together, it's that if you can discover the wisdom within them, that they will help you in this life, find meaning, and they'll help you get to a place within God. And, and, and we went that during the first uh, meaning of the mist. We went that direction. We studied through a lot of the Proverbs, and we had a lot of awesome messages that just changed my life and I think affected so many people's lives. And we're going to do a little bit of that this time. But there's another avenue. There's another direction that shows up. There's another reason. He says, this will help you find meaning. This will help you find purpose. This will help you understand the value of life in connection to God. He says, but there's another avenue. And that's the direction I think we want to go in this series, that I feel the Lord leading us to in this series. There's another focus that shows up. And I just want to read this to you really fast in closing. I want you to see this in Ecclesiastes 6. And now this is going to be a lot for five minutes. But we're going to finish this next week. I'm going to open this up to you because I want you to see it, and I want you to think about it, and I want you to meditate on it. Ecclesiastes 6. I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. But God does not enable him to enjoy them, and a stranger enjoys them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. So I want to take a second, 
And I'm going to read this again really fast, but I, I want you to know there is a difference here than the rest of the pattern of the book of Ecclesiastes. In almost every other section, when he comes down to the end of something, he will say, this is vapor, this is mist, this is meaningless. It's like striving after the wind, meaning it's pointless. There's no point to it. But this time, instead of saying striving after the wind, he says this is meaningless. It's a grievous evil. It's the worst thing imaginable on earth. That word evil, it literally means this is the worst. This is the worst wickedness. This is the most anti-God, anti-good, anti-righteous. This is the most evil thing I've seen. That's, that's what that word exists to describe. And I want you to look at what he is saying is evil, not just a waste of time, but he says it's evil, it's, it's bad, it's horrible, it's the worst thing imaginable. He says, those men and women, those people, those families, those individuals who have wealth, possessions, and honor, he covers all three avenues of life, the three biggest things that we live for in life, so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. This is huge meaning that you get everything you ever wanted or everything you thought you wanted, everything you thought was important. You got every desire of your heart. But you were not enabled or you did not have the ability to enjoy them. Solomon says this is evil. He goes on to say this, and, and this is going to get sad, but I, I want you to listen to this. He said that talking about the same man, he's giving you an now, he's giving you a metaphor, he's painting you a picture. He says, a man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity, and that word literally means goodness. It basically, in the Hebrew, what it says is, and he cannot see or be content or satisfied with goodness. A man may have a hundred children. Remember, this is the same man with all the wealth, all the possessions, all the honor. He lacks nothing his heart ever desires. And he may have a hundred children and live many years. Yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot be satisfied with the goodness, if he cannot see the goodness that he has and enjoy it and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meaning, talking about a stillborn child. It comes without meaning, it departs in darkness, and in darkness it is, its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it had more rest, more quietness, and more peace than that man ever did. Even if that man lives a thousand years twice over, but fails to enjoy the goodness in front of him, Everything is meaningless. So I, I want to stop, and I, I want to I point something out to you, and I just want to talk about it just for a minute. Solomon, he starts off this, this epic book and just says everything's meaningless. Everything is a vapor. You see it. You know what's real. You experience it. You walk in it, but you can't make sense of it. And he ends with this conclusion. He says there is meaning, but this meaning is only going to be found in God. And it's only going to be found on the other side of death, truthfully. And every other thing that we try to live for in this life, there's no value to it, not in the temporary, because death takes it all from us. And he said, so at the end of all, at the end of the day, our meaning, our contentment, our joy, our satisfaction is only going to be able to be found in God. And in the middle of the book, he starts to transition because he starts driving to a very certain point. 
And he gets to this place and he goes, I want, you, I want to ask you a question. He says, if you got a beginning and you have an end, meaning that you're, you're born and you're going to die, and everything in this life, this is the practical part of Solomon, everything in this life, if it lacks meaning because you're going to go into the ground as you came, you're going to leave exactly the same way that you came. And he said, so everything in this life, if you were to get all the wealth, all the possessions, all the honor, everything your heart ever desires, if you were to live a thousand years twice over, if you were to accomplish everything that could humanly be accomplished in this life, but death takes all of it, where is the value in your life? In eternity, it's with God. And he says, but in this life, where is the value in that? He says, it's better that you would be stillborn. It's better that you never would have lived than to get everything you ever wanted and not be able to taste one ounce of its goodness. This is, the, this is the point that he starts driving at, and this is something that we want to talk about over the next week or two. He gets to this place and he says, life, this life that God has given us. He says, there's a truth. He said, God can give you everything or God can give you nothing. He said, God can make you rich. God can make you poor. God can give you power. God can make you uh, homeless, be at the bottom of the totem pole. God could give you kingdoms. God could give you a, a hut on the side of a river. He said, but at the end of the day, he said, the curse of God is that you get everything you ever wanted, but you never enjoy not one second of it. Your soul, the, the Hebrew says, your soul literally is not satisfied by it. And he says, but on the flip side, he said, God can and will and promises in many different ways that he can let you enjoy the life that you have through his righteousness, through his peace, through his, a relationship with him, through a series of things that we'll talk about. Solomon says, but there is a possibility in this life that you could enjoy every second of every day, no matter what happens, what you have, or what you face. This is Solomon saying, this is a possibility in this life. So I want to step back again, and I want to ask you, if you have this one life, and death is going to come to all of us. Death is going to take the value of everything. What is good in life? Solomon gets to the end in verse 9. I mean in chapter 9. And he says this. He says at the end of it all. He says enjoy the life that you have. He says eat, drink, and be merry. Make love and love the wife of your youth. Enjoy the things that are around you. Because you don't know today could be your last day. And he said, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, whether you have power, whether you don't, enjoy what you have, what is in front of you. And so I want to take the last few minutes of this message, and I want to set up the rest of this series with this thought. What if it's possible? What if it's possible? And can you imagine a life where you wake up every single day and your soul is satisfied, and you have peace and rest and confidence, and you have the ability to enjoy every second of your life. I want you to imagine that life. doesn't matter whether you're wealthy or you're poor. I want you to imagine a life whether, where, where you could get so much satisfaction and so much joy just from looking down at the grass that God created. 
Imagine that life. I I want you to get what I'm saying. I'm not going to quit until I feel satisfied that you understand the point I'm making. What if you could be so in tune with reality, so in tune with God, so in tune with, with what life is really about, that your soul could be so satisfied that you could get immense amount, a lifetime of pleasure or joy or contentment just by laying down on the grass and looking up at a beautiful day and watching the clouds go by? What if you could truly enjoy every second with your wife, with your husband, and with your family? What if you loved, I mean, just hear me, I know this is crazy for some of you, but what if you loved, if you were satisfied, and if you got joy out of your job, no matter what it was? What if it's possible, and what if God would enable us to enjoy every second of every day that we live? And I want you to know something that I believe. I believe 100% that this is not only possible, but I believe this is what God wants to do in your life. I believe that's why God is allowing you to live, because there is meaning, there is purpose, there is something to be achieved but that God wants to let you enjoy the world that he created, even in the chaos, even with all of the sin, even with all of the darkness, that it's possible to have peace, to have joy, and to have this crazy, amazing moment after moment in your relationship with God that you could enjoy every second of every day for the rest of your life. Solomon's point is, he goes, what's the difference? What's the difference in some, a baby that isn't born, a baby that doesn't experience life, and somebody who lives a thousand years twice over and gets everything their heart desires? He said the difference is that baby, even in the womb, before the baby died, even in the womb, the baby had rest. The baby felt comfort from the womb of its mother. The baby felt the hand of God. The baby breathed. Though it never saw the sun, it had rest. Versus the man who had everything he ever wanted and lived a thousand years twice over and not had one second of peace, one second of satisfaction. So I want you to know what I believe one of the ending points Solomon is trying to make is that joy, the ability to be able to enjoy the life we have is something that God not only wants for us, but through our faith and our relationship in Jesus Christ and through knowledge and understanding of his word and his wisdom and the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that he gives us that we could get to a place in this life where we wake up every day and our joy and our satisfaction isn't dictated on what we have or what we possess or what we achieve, but that we could find joy in the smallest little things, that we could be happy in this life no matter what is happening around us. And I want you to know my truth. I desire this. I desire this. I want this. I want to walk in this. Because I've been here in seasons. I've been there in seasons, and it's a beautiful, it's an amazing place to be. But I believe it's possible every day to walk in this. And I believe that is what Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and so much of the wisdom is going to drive us to. And I am excited to see what God's going to do with this in our lives of the next few weeks. I love you guys with all my heart. I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray a special prayer for us this morning. I want you to pray with me. Father God, I come before you, Lord. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, that you are the creator God of the universe. Father, and I believe that every single one of us, God, that we are alive today only because you gave us life. Father, and that you did not destine us to hate this life. You did not destine us, God, to not enjoy this life. That, Father, in you, in our knowledge of you, Father God, and in our, our submission to you and our humility uh, under you, Father, in our faith in you, our trust in you, and our love in you, Father God, there is a way, God, to truly know you and to be satisfied in this life by you, Father. And I pray, Lord, right now for the people, God. I pray for me. I pray for my family. I pray for every family, uh, God, that it's a part of pursuit. God, I pray for everyone that might be listening, God, or watching this later. I pray, Lord, right here, right now in this moment, I'm asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to let your Holy Spirit give us revelation, to teach us and to give us knowledge, God, to set us free, God, from the delusions of this life, God, that we would truly be able to step back, God, and see the mist, see the veil see the meaninglessness in so much of what we chase and what we go after in this life. Father, that you could set us free from this delusion that so many of us call life. God, that we could just have true knowledge of you. God, that we could be set free in a way that we could not just honor you and live for your glory, God, but learn to enjoy your presence and your power, God, and to such a degree, to such a level. Father God, that no matter what our job was, that we would find satisfaction in it. That no matter what our state of our home was, or our relationships, or marriage, or family, God, or what was in the bank account, God, or what happened in the earth, or what uh, the economy was doing, that we would get to a place where we are so lost in you, so dependent on you, so uh, knowledgeable of you, and so connected to you, Father, that we could get enjoyment out of every second of this life, God. I pray, Lord, lead us to this. Open this up. Open up our hearts and our minds and teach us. God, teach us over the next few weeks. Change our lives. In your holy and your precious name, amen. I love you guys.